traveling through another dimension. Another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. But of mind. A journey into a wondrous land, land whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. Last time on the Twilight Zone podcast, Brandy, Lacey and I were seduced by the Blue Scorpion. But now it's time to find out whether you were. So let's have a listen to what you think. The Blue Scorpion felt like great Twilight Zone, just as all the new episodes mostly have. I love the cinematography, the sets, the atmosphere, the acting, the direction, the characters. Um, I also love the music, especially in this episode. But another thing that really connects the original series to this new one is the opening and closing narrations. Really, the opening narration of this one, I really saw... A little, uh, a little irreverence, like a little glimmer that was very Serling-esque that kind of said, this is a serious show, we're dealing with serious stuff, this is suspense, um, this is thought- thoughtfully done, but don't forget to have some fun. Don't take, you know, don't take the world so seriously that you fail to enjoy it, you know, and that's a, that's a pretty complicated and advanced uh, and, and unique thing that I can see in, you know, both Sterling's narrations and in Peel's and something I really love. So this episode, um, like replay was sort of a throwback to the old episodes where an object had a power over a person, you know, some kind of mystical power. Um, I think back to the talking Tina doll, the mannequins in the after hours, the mystic seer, uh, the piano that knows your song and when played reveals your true self. So in this episode, the Blue Scorpion is a legendary kind of mythical gun, and its bullets name the victims of, of the gun by first name only, and the gun itself seems to possess its owners and consume them. The gun also shoots itself sometimes, so we never know whether Jeff's dad used the gun to kill himself or whether the gun on its own killed Jeff's dad. We also never really know, or at least I didn't know, why Jeff decided to throw the gun in the river at the end of the episode. At first, I got the sense, uh, heading into sort of the third act, that the story was going to give us the moral that if you love a thing so much that it possesses and consumes you, it will take more from you than it gives. But that train of thought followed the old notion that the Twilight Zone gave people comeuppances, that it punished them for bad deeds. This was never a theory I fully accepted, but it's one that's so part and parcel of my understanding of the series that I always see through that lens. What was really interesting to me in this episode was that it turned that logic and that idea, that meta theory on its ear. It turned it upside down because near the end of the episode, it seemed that Jeff's obsession with the gun was actually rewarded when the gun on its own shot the home invader And this made Jeff a local hero. He got a job promotion. He was lauded as a good guy with a gun, which is a loaded NRA propaganda phrase in the newspaper. Um, And also his ex-wife gave up her interest in their marital property, ostensibly because he shot the home invader and and was a hero. Now, um, 
one of the things that struck me about that was the fact that at the time of the incident when Jeff shot the other Jeff, because everybody in the show is named Jeff, because you need to know who the Jeff on the bullet meant, but Jeff shoots Jeff while he's sitting in the car, armed, outside his ex-wife's house, looking in the window at her about to have sex with her new lover, whose name is also Jeff, and he's basically creeping like a pervert and armed out in front of her house, and he happens to be attacked by the home invader who doesn't invade her home, but invades his car. And during the struggle, the gun on its own shoots the invader, making him the hero. So the issue that he was out there creeping like a pervert is never really an issue. And she just magnanimously gives up her interest in all the property. And he's the great guy. Anyway, point being, this is a very rare, I can't think of another time it happened, uh, incidents where the Twilight Zone didn't punish someone, but rewarded someone. And um, then kind of inexplicably to me, after all that happened and after he was rewarded by the gun, by the object that possessed him, he threw the gun in the river. And um, maybe he felt free and no longer needed it. Um, but either way, this was a gift from his dad that really meant something to him at some point. So it was kind of inex inexplicable to me that he tossed it in the river. Of course, some kids find it. One of their names is on the bullet, and you have a pretty good idea where that's going to go. Um, and the episode itself seemed to be kind of ambiguous. Um, the closing narration was not ambiguous. The closing narration was pretty direct. It said, if you love guns more than you love people, then very bad things are going to happen. Uh, but the episode itself gave you various, many different perspectives. You know, several times the gun was aimed right at the camera, which means the gun was aimed right at you. Other times you see Jeff basically orgasmic with the gun at the gun range. It's like setting his soul free and he's like worshiping the gun. And it's, it's making him so happy. You also see him reckless with the gun when he aims it at his neighbor who's taking out the trash. And, you know, Jeff is high and basically just aiming the gun right at the guy. So it basically gives you all of those perspectives. So I felt that the show's ambiguity didn't really meet up with the closing narration, but it wasn't, uh, that wasn't a big deal to me. I, I felt like this was a great Twilight Zone episodes episode. It was rich in texture. It was suspenseful. I cared about the characters. I, I cared about what was going to happen and didn't know what was going to happen. I felt like it was timeless in its treatment of our human tendency to fetishize and anthropomorphize objects, but also timely in dealing with the topic of national importance uh, in the United States. I know in the UK and other places of the world, other parts of the world, they figured this out a long time ago, and they don't have the problems we have here in the States with this issue. So I'm, I'm interested to hear those perspectives, too. So one thing that was amusing to me at the end of the episode, but that might date the episode in the big picture, was when the kids were walking by the lake, and one of them said, My dad says Limp Biscuit is better than Kendrick Lamar, but old people say that kind of shit all the time. That made me laugh, but in 60 years from now, will anyone get it? For the good of humanity, let's hope the answer is no. And let's hope the answer is no because the world has forgotten about Limp Biscuit. Anyway, can't wait to hear your thoughts on this one and can't wait to hear the feedback from the other fans. I thought this was a great uh, piece of Twilight Zone and we've only got one more to go. Um, and... I'm trying to go into that last one with no expectations. The trailer gave a nice hint of a homage to a classic episode, but for the sake of the no trailer party, I will not say which episode that is, and I will say no more about the trailer that I did watch. 
Cheers. I've had an email from Dave. Now, I did say that I couldn't really entertain emails on this episode because I just wouldn't have the time to do it. But I think Dave was just sending a a general hello email. Uh, It wasn't really intended for this, but I'm going to read some of it out anyway because, you know, Dave has taken the time and effort to write in. So thank you, Dave. And he says, Hi, Tom. Yes, I have finally decided to email the show. I have a bit of a ramble to go on. Well, I'm not going to read all that ramble out, Dave, but I'll read some of it. He says, Back in August 2018, I was made redundant, luckily finding a new job pretty quickly. The main difference being that it was 80 miles away. That's a long time in the car each day. This is when I discovered the world of podcasts. What to listen to, though? I searched through everything that interested me, but only really stuck with a chosen few shows that really fitted with what I wanted. I tried a few TZ shows, but yours really stands out. The overall tone of the show, that late night radio feel, the critique that you give, I don't always agree though, that's fine Dave, and the specials that you throw in every now and again. Some I listen to fully, some I fast forward through. All right, Dave, come on. And um, Dave, and then Dave goes through a few Twilight Zone experiences and he says, fast forward again to last year, I started listening to your podcast and trying to watch the episodes in order to coincide. The problem I've had is when I started in August of 2018, I was several years behind you. I would listen to an episode and then want to write in to comment, but we were years apart. I have been through your changes, your leaving, Luke arriving, you returning, and I'm now up to the early season 3 episodes, so I'm catching up with you. I skipped ahead when you did the review of the stage play. My son bought me tickets to it for my 50th birthday two weeks ago. Happy birthday, man. I didn't know what to expect from the play as you gave nothing away about the format and plot, but I was genuinely blown away. It was truly stunning and embodied everything I love about TZ. I've then skipped ahead with the advent of the 2019 series to try and keep up with you, and here comes the reason for me actually writing into you. Your comment at the beginning of the episode, Not All Men, really touched the nerve with me. I struggle to understand why people need to get angry with you. Do they not see that you are, to TZ, a loving fan that puts time and effort into sharing your view on Sailing's legacy? I really hope that it doesn't affect the work that you do for this podcast, as my journeys to and from work wouldn't be the same if you stopped. My views on the 2019 shows are that I truly love it. Yes, some of the shows are a bit on the nose, but then I think that is what people in the 60s thought when they viewed episodes like The Obsolete Man and The Shelter. I've just watched The Blue Scorpion and I have to say that it's my favourite so far. Beautifully shot, superbly acted and tense beyond words. The cosmic justice dealt out was reminiscent of the old style. Bad guy dies, good guy comes out happy. One day Tom, I will catch up with where you are with the series, but in the meantime please continue with your fantastic work. It really does make my travel so much easier. All the best and take care. And that's Dave. Well, and what Dave is referring to there is when the episode Not All Men came out, I I did receive a ton of email, not in the form of feedback, but guys just generally being angry at the episode. And, you know, it, it wasn't directed at me. It was kind of the tone like, 
love the show, Tom, but this episode really made me angry. And, you know, I understand and I appreciate that people wanted to kind of connect with me as, as a person in the Twilight Zone community. But once you've read about 30 emails like that, it, it's kind of like, come on, guys, you know, is it? does it really... <laughs> Does it really matter that much? You know, I, I can't imagine getting this angry at, at a TV show. It, it's just not the way I'm made, I guess. But So that's what it was. And it, it did kind of make me feel at that point in doing this, like, man, if this is what I'm going to get every time Twilight Zone does a sort of controversial episode or, you know, something that is commenting on some political thing in quotations because everything seems to be political these days um, or classed as political then it did make me think what's the point you know because it just it's the kind of internet noise that I stay away from to ha so to have an inbox full of it was a bit like oh man but you know what I think people have got the message it's not really happened since and maybe it was unique to that episode which is unfortunate in itself I suppose um, but anyway, it, it's behind us now. I'm committed to, to carrying on. You know, it, it's never that I thought I would stop, but it's just when you wake up to that many emails and, you know, I, I read more because I'm like, well, what, what's this person trying to tell me? Is it feedback for the show, etc., etc.? And it was just a bit, you know, not, not something you really want to wake up to. But like I said, no, one's, no one was really angry at me as such, but it just brought a lot of kind of anger to my door really so but we're all good we're all good so thank you dave hey there tom harold clark reporting in from Buda, texas talking about the blue scorpion uh, but before that i wanted to talk about something you mentioned last week about what was the purpose of the ice cream cones and even the ice cream truck um could it be that it was they were so hitting the nail on the head, pounding us over the head, uh, that the people there and even the ice cream driver worked for the Department of Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE. Anyway, enough about that. On to the Blue Scorpion. So I was a little worried about this episode being political after after what they said last last week about not wanting to offend either the left or the right and it actually wasn't too political until the outro narration uh, when people value objects or objects are valued more than lives well I'm sure that the people who are pro-gun would say that they don't value the gun they value the right to have the gun uh, just like people who are pro-abortion don't value the abortion, they value the right to have the abortion. So, anyway, whatever. But, hey, uh, I love the tension of this episode uh, with so many potential Jeff Targets uh, running around. Didn't see the twist coming uh, with the home burglar being a Jeff, so well done on that. Um, I like that this basically was a a possessed item slash obsessed you know, am I going crazy story, but instead of this being a car or a doll, it just so happened to be a gun. So, so I like that. Um, but, uh, so I'm going to keep my general comments real short this week. Um, but speaking about the ending for the Blue Scorpion, uh, I submit uh, for your approval 
a different ending from a parallel dimension. Something to give you food for thought. A different facet of the story. Something to chew on. Uh, the episode is basically the same. Uh, we pick up after Jeff has thrown the gun into the lake and we see the end of his story. This parallel dimension story picks up with the epilogue and two kids heading towards the lake. Dylan and Kyle had been fishing together for as long as they can remember. They walked along the calm shoreline, the silence of the morning broken by banter back and forth over who would catch the biggest fish today and be declared sixth grade champion. Per tradition, they set up camp in front of their favorite tree that arched over a portion of the lake providing them shade, though the sun had yet to make an appearance on this cool, cloudy morning. Dylan loved this tree. He called it his lucky tree. Kyle just called the tree creepy, its long branches like bony fingers arching their way towards the water's surface. As Kyle opened the tackle box and began going through the assortment of fancy lures, Dylan himself was lured away to something gleaming on the lake shore just a short distance away. As he approached, he could see it clearly as it stood out against the black pebbles of the shoreline. It was a blue scorpion. More precisely, it was a golden handle encased with beautiful white pearl stonework. And set inside this was the blue scorpion, also made of exquisite stonework arranged in such a way as to almost look real. Its claws were down at the bottom of the handle, while its tail was near the top, coiled up, but ready to strike. And on the end of this handle was a 12-inch long knife blade. A blade without one blemish, scratch, or nick. In fact, not a single speck of dirt was to be seen on the blade that shone with a brilliance unheard of for such an overcast day. The blade was thick on the backside, but quickly narrowed down to a razor's edge. The end of the blade finished with a dramatic curve, making this knife truly a work of art. No way! Look what I found! Oh my God! Dylan shouted as he reached down to pick up the knife. It felt heavy, but it felt good, and it fit snugly in the palm of his hand. The blue scorpion slowly disappeared as each of Dylan's fingers, one by one, wrapped tightly around the handle. The blade pointed up to the gray sky. Kyle came running up to see what the excitement was all about. Look at me! I'm Crocodile Dundee! Dylan said with a big grin. He thrust the knife in front of his face and said in his best Australian accent, That's not a knife! This is a knife. He turned the blade back and forth to show both sides, just like he remembered from the movie. Check that out, Kyle remarked, pointing at the knife. There's a name on the blade. It's my name, Kyle. The letters ran along the back end of the blade, engraved letters filled with glossy black ink, about an inch long in total. Relatively small, considering how big and imposing the blade was. Dylan tilted his head and examined the knife, turning the blade back and forth looking for the name, but none was to be found. Just smooth, cool, untouched steel showing the reflection of Kyle's face. Huh, whatever. 
Dylan was then struck with an idea. He changed his grip on the knife so that the blade now pointed down to the black earth. Hey, let's play Halloween. I'll be Michael Myers and you be the helpless victim. With that, Dylan raised the knife over his head, ready to swing down. Rawr, Dylan yelled. Kyle unfazed said, Michael doesn't talk, dummy. Who cares? Just run. And run they did. Kyle playfully screaming and Dylan slashing up and down with his newfound best friend. They made it back to the lucky tree, the creepy tree. Round and round they went, around the rough and gnarly tree trunk, as the camera now moves back and we fade to black. And then one final scream, just a bit louder than the rest, perhaps. They say imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, but not with the blue scorpion. For the blue scorpion is indeed a legendary weapon as old as time itself, no matter what form it takes gun, knife, or rock. So if you come across said scorpion, set inside pearly whites, you best turn around and run. Or at least turn off the lights. In the Twilight Zone. Hi Tom, it's Adam Cook. I don't think I want to spend as much time on this episode as I did the last one, so I'm going to cut right to the chase. I thought Blue Scorpion was a fantastic episode. Not only did I think that Chris O'Dowd did a wonderful job, as uh, I had no doubt he would, uh, he really did own that role and did a fantastic job with it, uh, but I think this episode had something that we've been craving from this series for some time, and that is the subtlety of the message. I think if the series didn't have what you've referred to as the issue of the week, uh, the concept of this being an episode about gun rights and gun control in the U.S. Uh, may have possibly been even lost on me, as that didn't seem to be the driver of the story. It seemed more to be an interesting story of a man who is caught up in this object with personality, this object that was, uh, that was seeking to control him. And um, I thought it was, they, they did a fantastic job with that storyline. I'm sure I will not be the only one that points out its connection to and similarities to Mr. Denton on Doomsday. I think the writers intended for this, as the combination for the safe was 10, 15, 59. Um, not only was that um, bringing back the 10, 15 that we've seen in a number of episodes, but it was also one day before the air date, 10-16-1959, of Mr. Denton on Doomsday. And so I think the connection there is very strong, both about um, a man who has a weapon, a gun, that is introduced into his life and changes his life, even in the climax with the gun going off on its own, and the outcome changing his life for the good in that he gets rid of that gun and isn't able to to use it anymore uh, i think that um uh that the parallel is one of the strongest that we've seen in this season so far again if it hadn't been for me looking for the issue that i was talking about i may have missed it because it was so subtle um, but it was certainly there 
uh, in the toward the end when it shows a newspaper clipping of um, of him as a hero for having uh, caught that um, that cat burglar. Uh, if you pause it and actually read the content of the newspaper, it uses some of the language that we hear, such as a good guy with a gun, which is language that we hear a lot with pro-gun uh, rights, um, that only good guys with guns can stop bad guys with guns. And so they were certainly pulling that piece out. And then the final scene with the two boys and... Um, the danger of the gun, I don't think that this was a commentary on whether gun rights uh, should or should not um, be allowed in the U.S., but rather that there's responsibility um, with such a dangerous object, with such a dangerous tool, and used incorrectly or used poorly without thought or without care, um, it can really have horrendous outcomes. Used with care... Um, there is a possibility that it can be used to save lives. And so I think the message was was more poignant, was more uh, rounded than we've heard uh, or that we've seen from some of the past episodes. So really enjoyed this episode. Not quite sure where I rank it, but it's gonna, certainly going to be toward the top. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing how the season ends. Thanks so much, Tom. Hey Tom, I wanted to comment about this week's episode. I liked uh, the premise for Blue Scorpion. Um, it reminded me a lot of Dead Man's Shoes in the Mirror, uh, stories where they have, there are objects that can possess the character or, or change them in some way. Unfortunately, of those three, this might be my least favorite. Um, it fell short for me in a couple different ways. First, there were a few examples where I thought the exposition was just downright terrible. Um, the scene with the gun dealer on the phone uh, was probably the worst. Um, completely unprompted, he just jumps into this exposition dump about the gun and the lore around it. It felt very jammed in, especially the part about the gun being afraid of the dark. Uh, I don't remember the main character asking any questions or, or even really responding, and this guy just just keeps going. Um, he's just kind of talking to nobody. He's talking to the audience about, you know, keep an eye out for this. Uh, there was also the scene where the wife uh, told him she was having an affair, and the line was something like, um, you know, I've fallen in love with another man, dot, 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 named Jeff, which just felt very unnatural and silly, um, which is actually the other thing that I, I really disliked about this episode was how they handled the whole everybody being named Jeff thing, um, right down to the kid calling out the name Jeff, and then it turned out to be his dog. Um, you could argue that's supposed to be like a surreal moment, but again, I just thought it was silly to the point where I think it actually hurt the episode and drained it of a little bit of drama. If they just kept the main character and the wife's new lover and maybe the, the gun buyer, the guy on the phone, as like the only guy's named Jeff, then the audience could focus on those three people and the dynamics between them. So... If that's the case, we can say like, all right, will this guy kill himself? Will he kill the his wife's lover? Or if he sells the gun, will that guy kill himself? Um, or will, will maybe they get into a fight during the sale uh, and, and somebody gets shot then? You know, if they do that, then, then there's tension. Then there's something we can focus on because the scope is smaller. But 
By having somehow every single person plus dogs now be named Jeff, it felt like it diluted the whole story. Uh, The lore. This episode clocked in around 40 minutes. And at the end of it, it felt like the script landed on the wrong side of that very thin line that we talk about sometimes about the Twilight Zone where it's either a mysterious story or a vague one. And this felt more vague to me. Um, I don't need to know everything about the gun. Um, And I certainly don't need the guy on the phone reading quotes from a Wikipedia article to me. But I did need more than what we got. Um, Given the runtime, it feels like we should have left this episode knowing just something more about the gun. But I don't think we actually really know anything. Um, You know, is it a person's spirit trapped in it? Is the gun itself an evil spirit? Why is it afraid of the dark? And what does it have to do with anything? Um, I think building up the gun would have gone a long way to making this a a better episode and to to not do that felt like a a missed opportunity Um, and not to get too nitpicky but the other weird thing about this episode was it spent a not insignificant amount of time on the dad's life as a musician but none of that really seemed to go anywhere I kept looking for some kind of connection even on a symbolic level you know I was wondering is this an episode that's saying something about hippie culture or about the boomers or where those two groups are right now that they're older and moving into the final stage of their lives that would have been very interesting to me I would have eaten that stuff up you know talking about how different generations look at things but I couldn't find anything even close to that um even if they're trying to say like well he played with crazy horse and therefore he couldn't possibly own a gun you know that feels thin just because you you can just do one line of dialogue. The son says he wasn't a gun guy, which he says in the episode, and that would be enough. Um, so it felt like a lot of lost time chasing down this this character trait that didn't really mean anything. Um, so I didn't really think it was that that great an episode. I hate being negative, but you know it was an episode written by Glenn Morgan, and uh, I'm an X Files fan, and all the elements I listed working exposition in in an elegant way. Uh, giving just enough info about the mysterious object, um, tying in loose character threads, like I said, with the the father being kind of like this this big uh, uh, musician. And X-Files, more often than not, nailed those things um, and made them come full circle. Um, But that was lacking here, and for me, that was a real bummer. Um, and this almost felt like it was a an old rejected X Files script that this guy rejiggered for the Twilight Zone. Uh, hopefully, some of the other listeners enjoyed it more than me, um, and and hopefully we have some better episodes coming up. I'll catch you next week. I have no idea what the episode is because I'm jumping aboard the aboard the uh, Avoid Trailers Express. So I'll see you on there, Tom. John here from British Columbia, Canada, with some thoughts on Blue Scorpion. Now, I've said before that a good story should be timely or it should be timeless. About half the 2019 Twilight Zone episodes have been timely, but this is one of the more timeless ones. Yes, it addresses guns, but it's not a story ripped from today's headlines. It's not really a story about gun control or gun violence, although those things play a part and years from now it will still hold up as a relevant story, unless we have a total ban on guns. But it's not about guns, 
It's about the value we place on things. And we see this in the divorce settlement, and especially in the scene where the two people are talking about who will get what. And then we also see it when the student is in Jeff's office talking about why she places things in her home in a specific way. Things matter. At least they do in this story. If the episode points a finger, that finger points at consumer culture. At one point, Jeff says to his ex-wife, I love him more than I ever loved you. He's speaking of the gun. The episode is, for the most part, what I've wanted in the Twilight Zone series. It was great until the end, and then the story got strange. I would have been fine with an ending when Jeff said the dead man's name is Jeff. That would have been an open-ended yet powerful story. But then, after that death, after the gun is fired, all sorts of good things start happening to Jeff, the living Jeff. Why? Does it mean might is right? And if so, the conclusion doesn't fit with any of the other episodes within the Twilight Zone. Is the gun alive? And was it rewarding Jeff because Jeff loved it and made it feel useful? If so, then it's no longer a thing, but a non-human person. Is it a talisman, a good luck charm, blessing the one who carries it? Or did the universe reward Jeff for killing a bad person? Each of these episodes or these possibilities leaves me very uneasy. And there's also a question of whether Jeff chose the gun or did the gun choose Jeff? Personally, although the gun seemed to exert a pull, I'm most comfortable believing Jeff had a choice whether to accept the gun or reject it. He had a choice whether to use it or set it aside. He had a choice. The ability to choose and the ability to make good or bad choices is at the heart of what makes us human, here in our world or in the Twilight Zone. Hey, so on the first time calling in, um, I'm a big Twilight Zone fan. Um, I've been watching for so long. Uh, I feel like I've seen all the episodes, but the strange thing is, uh, you know, New Year's comes along and they have the marathons, and I always find myself possibly watching a new one. So, uh, I, I'm, you know, maybe there are some that I've squeezed through. Um, we're on Blue Scorpion now. Um, I, overall, as a lot of people have, have, have stated, I, I agree that the episodes kind of start, and I will say I am a no-trailer gang. Um, I'm all about that. Um, I kind of do that for all everything. Um, I try to avoid any type of pre- um, notification to myself of what the episode will be um so i i avoid that so i'm, I'm on that um but anyways the the episode starts and i feel like i as you said it's it's issue of the week um which ah uh, you know is, is just so different have you as you've talked about 
Rod Sterling, he 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 wasn't actually able to be able to say what he wanted to say. Um, so he was in kind of a unique s scenario where he couldn't say what he wanted to say. So you know, he made Twilight Zone as we know it, and you know. You guys talked about whether or not that was for the best. We kind of agreed it is in the end and that it might not have been as iconic and rememberable as and timeless since it kind of tiptoed around the actual issues that were having happening at the time. Um, so last week's um, The Immigration one, Oh man, that was pro that was actually the first time that I turned my TV to black and white and it opens with that ice cream uh truck and I was like, "Wow." You know, and then she's walking through her immaculate house and it's all black and white. She's going to the shop, black and white. I actually haven't washed it in color yet, but all right. Now we're to Blue Scorpion. So, obviously guns um, so when it comes to the Blue Scorpion, and I only talk, I only listened to the forefront of your first episode about Blue Scorpion because I didn't want to totally take my perspective in from yours. So I kind of ended it when when you're questioning the blue scorpion and um that is scared of the dark when i heard that phrase i immediately thought of gun legislation and that um people are afraid that their gun rights will be taken away and of course the second amendment um and that it's afraid of the dark i i immediately thought that it was a connection to that and that um yeah, gun owner <laughs> It's really hard to talk about this topic and, and you know, uh, and, and not sound like I'm against, I'm not against really anything. Um, you know, you, you look at other countries that have, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I, I'm a, I'm a nineties kid from Colorado. Um, you know, came up with Columbine and we just had another shooting down, down the street. And, you know, I, I'm in the belief that crazy people do crazy things and then they'll go to whatever extent to make those crazy things happen. And obviously guns help that thing. And, and I really don't want to rant about guns on this, but it's just it's hard to tiptoe and talk about the episode and talk about how I feel and talk about what these issues are having coming about and they're they're obviously grounded in issues. It's it's hard to not talk about the issues, which is you know, with all that I that's kind of when I realized what was kinda of going on, it I kind of was disappointed and you know it is double-edged sword because it brings awareness to it of course and it gets people talking but most of these topics are already talked about ad nauseum mostly by people that don't know have 
their thoughts don't have any change of what is going on and it's generally just off the top thoughts so i don't know i thought i thought i really enjoy the actor that's in this show uh or in this episode rather i like that actor i'm not sure what else i've seen him in but he sure looked familiar um and I enjoyed the episode for the most part. It actually ended before I thought it would end. Um, I really didn't think it would end like that. I, I, I think I thought something bad would happen with the kids, honestly. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing bad happened with them. Um... So, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I've, I've, I've enjoyed this show, and I'm going to end it with that. Um, I do think I am disappointed, but, um, it could be a lot worse, I guess. So, um, I love what you, you are doing, and, and, and that's the main thing I'm calling in. I, I really hope... Hope you, you know, are sticking with it and and don't let any type of, you know, emails and whatnot you're getting distract you because you're you're really doing a great job, and we all really appreciate it. So, thank you, and I'm I'm sorry this is so long. Hi, Tom. Brian and Jamie Tala here from Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada, friend of the show. Just wanted to send some feedback in for the Blue Scorpion. I loved this episode. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to hearing your review of it when it comes out. This episode, I think, was almost perfect. Uh, there was a couple little things in it, but uh, I want to start with the stuff that I really loved about it first. Uh, I think the tone and the direction of the episode was absolutely outstanding. There was there was so much wonderful moments of suspense. There were so many wonderful moments of beauty. Uh, you know, my favorite scene in the episode is when Jeff is shooting the gun off in the uh, in the um, firing range. And the music that is playing, this wonderful, beautiful music that's really showing how captivated people can get with guns, you know, and how much power they can have over people. And I think that's what the moral of the episode is, is how guns can have power over people. Um, but and, and then how that music all of a sudden just stops when the gun jams. You know, like this this whole episode was kind of a work of art. The use of music, uh, the songs that were in it, you know, like White Rabbit and some of the other songs, uh, how it tied into his father uh, having participated in the Monterey Pop Festival. Uh, it was really, really, really fascinating. I, I just, I've seen the episode twice now. And while I don't understand every aspect that they're trying to say in the episode, you know, What's what I really like about it is it's the thing that we've been talking about and that some of your guests have been talking about in that the message that they're trying to convey, they're not they didn't really hammer it on the ha on the head until the end of the episode. And that coda with the kids is almost unnecessary to me. 
you know, so the, the two parts that I didn't really like about the episode were the coda with the kids and Jordan Peele's narration. Like there's something off about his narration. Like at the beginning of this episode, he's like, and Jeff, uh, Jeff is going to learn something about himself. Like, I can't remember exactly. I should have written it. Uh, I should have written it down, but he's like, Jeff doesn't really know himself. And it's like, well, that's not really a part of the episode. So like, why is this in your descriptive setup of the episode? You know, I, I don't know. Like, so the Jordan Peele narration hasn't really been firing on all cylinders for me this whole season, uh, but this is the first time where it did kind of stick out to me as not quite right. But the reason why I don't think that the coda with the kids is necessary is because in my opinion and in my interpretation of the episode, Jeff, it has been taken under the power of this gun, this metaphorical power that this gun has. So this gun is is inhabited by some spirit. They're using this Twilight Zone element to, to say that this gun has control over him. There's this ancient spirit that doesn't like light, you know, so it's this really wonderful concept. Yet Jeff finally realizes once that, the, that he does not control this gun and this gun is controlling him... By, by being fired on its own, right? It's almost like he, he does not have control over this gun. It controls him. It's manipulating his life. He's sitting there playing it. He wanted to sell it. He doesn't want to sell it anymore. The gun is controlling his life. And at the end of the episode, when he realizes because this burglar gets shot and he sees how this gun has completely controlled him, he throws it away with that realization that he doesn't want this gun to control him anymore. That's where you need to end the episode. They should have just ended it right there. And in my opinion, then the episode would have been absolutely 100% perfect. But I, I, the coda doesn't take away from me, I, you know, it's almost it almost feels like they're like by the way we really need to say that we're anti-gun on this and while i'm not a gun supporter like i'm in canada and i'm mind boggled at at what my interpretation of american obsession with guns is right uh, they didn't need to say it in the episode because the episode is so rich the way it is and that moral is there for you and it's, it's, it's beautifully written. It is so beautifully written. Darren Morgan did such an amazing job with this episode. This is top tier Twilight Zone for me, including all the episodes of the original. The way that it was directed, all the music, the tone of the episode, the acting, you know, like this was absolutely, absolutely amazing. And yeah, that just that, that one coda just didn't work for me. But uh, other than that, I think it's fantastic. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the finale coming up real quick, but wow. All I can say for this episode is wow. Almost perfect. You know, so one of the things that I was also the first watch that I wasn't quite sure about is it kind of felt like there was a couple of weird comedic elements. Like when he's like, oh, my dad basically shot my, himself in front of me and then Basically, I didn't say literally. Basically, basically means basically. I don't know. Like the tone of that was a little off. Uh, and then when he puts the the heart tie dyed shirt on, like I chuckled both times that I watched the episode because it's it's kind of this weird tone. I like I understand he wants to be closer to his dad. This is clearly his dad's shirt, and he wants to be closer to him. It just it 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 gives me a chuckle the two times that I watched it when he has that shirt on. But 
Looking forward to hearing your your feedback on it. By the time this publishes, I will have already heard it. But uh, wow. Wow. This was awesome. Hey, Tom. This is Uncommon NASA with some last-minute feedback being added to the show. Um, I've had a really hectic weekend. But uh, mostly good weekend. I got to spend some time in Los Angeles, and uh, now I'm back. Just a time to send you some feedback since you're running a little bit late. I wasn't a fan of Blue Scorpion. I came back, watched the episode, um, tried to watch it my first night back from LA, and I fell asleep. Not because the episode was was that bad, I hope, but um, because I was just tired. So I watched it the next day with my wife. I probably had seen two-thirds of it, so I basically watched it twice. The only thing I didn't see was sort of like the resolve at the end. Um, yeah, I don't know. I came back, and I, it's uh, back in New York, and I found myself disagreeing with you, um, I think, more so than any other episode this season, which is interesting because usually we were pretty much in line. Maybe you like one a little bit more than me. Um, or vice versa. But that being said, I don't want to be super negative in this one because I will say I went back. Well, I didn't go back. I, I just listened or, or, or thought about uh, Point of Origin more. And I, the more I think about it, the more I actually really like that episode. Like last week, um, I didn't have too many positive things to say, but I, I did find value in it. And as the week went on, um, I, I recorded that one really fast because I was traveling last weekend as well and I didn't really leave that one too much time to settle but I do want to go back now and say that I, I actually find that really a good episode and probably on the better half it's not one of my favorites of the season but definitely on the better half I think maybe fifth or sixth it's probably going to land I would think for me um, I do still feel like they revealed the subject matter way too soon and it would have had a much heavier impact had they waited. But that being said, the things that they did right in that episode were so perfect that I, I just, as I think about it, I can't deny it anymore. But now that I've gotten some positivity out of the way, uh, Blue Scorpion, I, um, I don't know. I just, I personally found it pretty boring in its pacing. Um, I, I really was not super interested in watching it twice which kind of sucks because that's not really the case with most of these episodes i don't know what it was about it i i think you know i would compare it to um my other least favorite episode which was a passenger and i think the difference is a passenger at least looked really nice and had the advantage of being in a scenic location uh, or at least a, a created scenic location for the for the, for the sake of the show, and there were things that were called upon in that episode that were not called upon to do in this episode, and I just it was not visually that appealing. Um, the gun looked fine, but like I just I was just not that into it. Um, you know, I I was not as familiar as you and your guest with the uh, with the main actor. Uh, with the star of the with the episode, I was just distracted by his accent. And no offense to you, Tom, as you have a great accent that we all enjoy, but I was just confused by his accent. First of all, I I was a foolish American and could not really understand much of <laughs> what he was saying at times, because the Irish accent is is a lot harder for for us, or at least for me. 
And I just didn't understand why it was necessary to have an Irish actor play this role because it threw off the timing of the of the biography because there was a point where he talks about his father um, running out to Canada to sort of avoid the draft. And the last war that we had where we had a draft was Vietnam. So uh, looking at the actor... I feel like he's probably about 45. I, the, the math just doesn't really add up. Um, he, he probably could even be playing younger than 45 in the episode. I, I just don't see how the math adds up unless that just happened before he was born. But that wasn't... I, I don't know. I, why am I thinking about this? You know, like, why can't... Why, I don't understand it. They, it like, if you're going to cast an Irish person to play an American... I, I don't understand it. Like, if his dad had immigrated here and had him here, he wouldn't have had such a strong Irish accent growing up in the States, even if he had a tinge from being raised around his dad or his mom, if they were both Irish. I, it just introduces so many things that are unnecessary. Like, and I just don't get it. And there's such a plethora of English and probably Irish actors that can do American accents perfectly. Um, we're just filled with, with accent chameleons these days i just i don't i didn't get it it totally threw me off and confused me and was unnecessary and if you're going to go there and just say this is the perfect guy to play it i don't care what his accent is then you've got to write some stuff in there you can't just pretend like he doesn't have an accent for most of the episode i I, and then the ending you know i mean what the hell is going on with the ending like i why is a, a sneaky home invader that's getting away with all these home invasions that's scaring the neighborhood just punching a hole through this dude's glass window and grabbing him for, for not even like it wasn't like he had something expensive in his hand or had an expensive car or there was like a re like that doesn't make any sense like the scene was shot well like it was surprising it gave me a little jolt i didn't expect that to happen but when you when it's all over it's kind of like well that doesn't make any sense that's not that's not how home invaders invade. <laughs> like, they invade creepily. They may do some wild stuff once they get in your house, but a successful home invader is not breaking through your front door and shattering glass and stuff like that. They're, they're shimming in through a window, and they're not just punching cars in the face. <laughs> like, it's just... I just don't get it. I wasn't a fan of that, and... I thought the ending was super tacked on. I, I, it felt to me like they made an episode that was like a cool episode about a gun. And then at the last minute, they decided that they wanted to kind of put the politics in it and, and flip it. And that may not be the case, but it comes across that way. And I think it comes across kind of disingenuous uh, because it's unnecessary. Um, if you want to make a cool episode about a gun, it's fine. It's not a political statement to have a guy successfully redeem his life because of a, of a golden gun. That, that doesn't mean that you're pro-guns. Like, I, I just didn't, I didn't, you can have a cool story about a gun without it being political. I didn't, I didn't understand it. I don't mind the politics being in any of these episodes, and I, I, I don't mind them in a way, I kind of do mind them trying to purposefully be balanced because if you have a moral thing to say or an ethical thing to say, then just st stand behind it. You know, I don't, I don't see a need to just kind of represent both sides in an issue like this. I mean, people are being killed every day in mass shootings and with illegal guns, and I, you know, I, I'm not going to get overly political myself. I don't, I don't have a problem with people that want to own guns, but I think most responsible people that own guns know that. 
the gun situation in America is out of control. So trying to represent both sides, I just for what end? And it also didn't work plot-wise because the gun just represented good and like justice for Jeff. But but then it wants to kill a child. I don't know. I don't know what to do with it because it was a mess. I didn't like it. Um, I didn't like the ending. I, I this is probably right there is you know like i said at least a traveler had the visuals and had steve yoon and it was just awesome compared to this in some ways um i just felt like this was a flat episode that didn't work for me and um i I hate to pick on glenn morgan because i did not notice the first time through that he wrote it and i've said in previous feedbacks i try to avoid figuring out who wrote what until after i've seen it but uh I guess this is why I didn't watch the X-Files. I don't know. I'm sorry. Um, That's all I got to say. (laughs) Hopefully I'll have positive things to say next week. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to your breakdown next week. Uh, I'm going to throw in like a worst to first quick thing um, as quickly as I can speak about it. uh, At the end of my feedback next week on episode 10. And I'm sure we all can't get can't wait to get back to... um, you know, the Frisbee episode that you've been sitting on uh, in the meantime. But in all seriousness, it will be cool to hear some 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 original Twilight Zones. Um, and I'm, I'm really fascinated sort of with like the end of the 10th episode and, and trying to figure out my mind exactly how I'd rank them because there's only 10. You know, it's not like it's a 33 episode season like the Twilight Zone where it's kind of pointless to, to figure out what the best ones were in a season. This is right there in front of you, and um, it's just kind of telling made for podcasts and YouTubers and stuff like that. So have at it, Tom, and uh, we're almost there. NASA, you are dead to me now. Please never darken this put No, I'm only joking. Um, the, the thing about these listener email shows, these listener feedback shows, is that that was the whole point. We can disagree. It was never just about giving the, the new Twilight Zone a free pass. It was about discussing it. Some things are going to work for some people, some things uh, not so much. And it was also to show that, you know, the kind of toxic nastiness that we see in fandom out there isn't the way it's got to be. You know, we can disagree on these things and it's fine. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, much as we all love the Twilight Zone, what is there to be angry about? You know what I mean? So, don't write in again. Okay, so, the... um, I'm only joking. Um, so the next episode is dropping tomorrow on the 30th. And then if you can get your thoughts in by Sunday the 2nd, by midnight, wherever it is in the world where you are, that will be fine. And then I will put that listener feedback show together on the Monday. Now, my time isn't so much at a premium and I will have a bit more time. If you want to send in your thoughts by email, then please do so. And I, maybe assisted by Brandon, will read them out now. But the same kind of guidelines will apply. If it's too long, I might need to clip them or not use some of them. But if you do send in something via an audio clip, then I will definitely use it. I'm not going to be too strict on the time. I have said about five minutes, but this is the final show. If you also want to add some thoughts about the season as a whole, if you want to do a top five or whatever that kind of thing, then please feel free to do so. I don't mind this last one being longer than usual. So whatever you want to do, please feel free 
to do it. So yes, I will accept emails, but especially if you've got a lot to say about the season as a whole, I do think clips are better because then you can kind of get it all out and it's not me or Brandon, you know, reading something that you've not really been able to elaborate on things as much as you wanted to because you're trying to keep it short so it'll be used. So, you know, if you want to put something in by email, please do. But also, we've heard from a lot of people in these shows who have never put their voice to the show before and they've done it in clips and they've been fantastic. They've been really great. And you don't need to have a microphone attached to a computer to record or any fancy equipment. A lot of these clips are done on people's phones and they just record it on their phone and send that over to me and I take care of the rest. So, you know, why not give it a try? Get your voice on here. It'd be good to hear from you, but emails are good too. So you can get those clips and emails over to tz2019 at thetwilightzonepodcast.com and if you can try and use that email address and not my usual one, then that is the best way to do it because it won't get lost in the kind of uh, shuffle in my regular email account. All right, so that's enough from me and I will speak to you next time for the final episode of Twilight Zone 2019.